My Father, we come before you again, just acknowledging you, acknowledging that you are God, that you are our Lord, that you are the Lord over every part of our lives. Father, right now I give you lordship of this moment on time, of this message, of this time that we have together. Father, may your word just be planted deep in our hearts. May the word that you've given me to share, Father, be your word through me, not my word, but your word through me. And may it truly minister to the hearts of the people. Father, I believe that this word was given from you to me to share tonight. And I know, Father God, that it is seed. It is good seed. Your word is seed. And that seed sown will prosper. So, Father, I thank you that that seed that goes forth is planted in the hearts of the people, and it prospers. I thank you, Father, for souls saved. I thank you, Father, for bodies healed. And I thank you for lives abundantly changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the Holy Spirit's already at work, like always. Um, A lot of the words that have already been spoken by Fran and by Pastor Tim are right along the lines of what the Holy Spirit, I believe, has given me to share tonight. Um, Today's Valentine's Day, right? And, you know, last year I I was speaking on Valentine's Day as well, and I thought, who's going to come to church on Valentine's Day? (laughs) What a perfect day to be here. What a wonderful day to be be here. In fact, I want to start with a, a scripture that talks about love, that talks about God's love for you. And how he demonstrated that love. You know, in a a relationship, my husband, I'm looking at my husband right now, because in a love relationship with anybody that you love, there's a lot of ways to show love. You can say that you love the person. My husband says he loves me all the time. That's awesome. You can show that you love the person. Another way is to demonstrate it through action. Would you please turn with me in the book of Romans to chapter 5? And let's look at how our Father has demonstrated his love for us in such an amazing way. Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. While we were yet in weakness and powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, it's an extraordinary thing for one to give his life, even for an upright man, though perhaps for a noble and a lovable and generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. But God shows and clearly proves his love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a demonstration of his love for us, that he would choose to die for us. We were sinners. We weren't worthy. This is not just for the people that lived when Jesus was alive, but it was for all of humanity, past, present, and future. Jesus died for us. That was his demonstration of love for us. He died for us. Well, we were no earthly good, no godly good. We weren't good. He chose to die for us. Okay, so Jesus, our Savior, he died on the cross for us. You all agree with that. When he died, he destroyed the work of the enemy. 
The enemy had, had control. The enemy had authority after the fall of man. And when Jesus died, that was destroyed. When Jesus died and Jesus was buried, death was destroyed. And all of the effects of the enemy, sin, sickness, lack, uh, poverty, stuff with relationship issues, it was all destroyed. It was put in the grave right? And then Jesus was resurrected to new life. And when he was resurrected to new life, so were we as the kids of God. If you know Jesus, if he is your savior, you have been resurrected to new life. All that stuff that Jesus died for is in the grave. Now, what I want to talk about tonight is the fact We see, okay, as I'm talking about all this, sounds like a fairy tale, that dead stuff's in the grave. Well, why do I have junk in my body? What we're going to talk about tonight is the fact that we have a choice. That's the title of this message. We have a choice. That dead stuff can stay in the grave, or we can choose to resurrect it. Jesus paid the price. It's in the grave. He destroyed death. He destroyed the effects of death. He took back the dominion from the enemy, and he gave it to us. We have authority over it. But the problem is, because of a lack of knowledge, and sometimes just because of our choices, even if we know the truth, because of that, we literally resurrect death instead of keeping it in the grave. So what I want to talk about tonight is how to make the choice to choose blessings, to choose life. Jesus drew this wonderful line in the sand, and it's so clear. He said, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So if it's something that is stealing from you or killing you or destroying or it's destructive, that's the thief. That's the enemy. If it's life and abundance of life, that's God. He says to choose life. In fact, let's look at the Bible. I want to give you his word, not mine. Would you please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30? We're going to look at three or four scriptures where God gives us direct instructions on what to choose. It's your choice. We have a free will. In this earth, there will be trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, please. I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Pastor Tim and Fran have been just feeding us and feeding us and feeding us about the blessing, about speaking blessings over our life. As they've been teaching us, and feeding into us how to speak the blessings. 
They're helping us to do what the scripture says, and that's to choose life. God says in the scripture that there are blessings and there are curses, death and life. And then he says, choose life. Okay, we're talking today about choosing life. It's your choice. I'm going to go to another scripture. This is in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21. I'm going to read it from a couple different translations. This is the New King James. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Fran was talking about the importance of our words, the importance of speaking God's word and giving it life. God's word is truth. As we speak it, what did you say about faith? Faith is voice activated. That's what you said. Faith is voice activated. Faith is voice activated. That's what the scripture is referring to. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. As we speak words of faith, we're speaking words of life. I want to read this to you from the Message Bible. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Let me, I I have this one memorized because I say it a lot. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. It's your choice. Words can be poison and result in resurrecting that junk from the grave. Or words can be life and produce life. They can be fruitful and they can produce that abundance of life that God has for us. But it's up to us to choose what we speak. It's our choice. Would you please look with me at James chapter 3, another scripture that God gives to us about the importance of what comes out of our mouth. The blessings, as Pastor Tim has been teaching us about, or the curses. It's our choice. The words that we speak are our choice. James chapter 3 Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. This chapter in James, James chapter 3, is all about the tongue. It's all about the power of what we speak. And it talks in this scripture about the fact that when you um, speak um, well, it talks about bitter water and sweet water. It says, out of the same river isn't going to flow bitter water and sweet water. It talks about the thorn brush, the thorn bush isn't going to produce figs, or the fig tree isn't going to produce thorns. It talks about the fact that, that we should only speak one. We shouldn't speak curses and blessings. God says in his word, that's not my best for you. My best is that you speak blessings blessings. Our words are seeds. Our words are very powerful. They're seeds. And as we speak, we're going to reap what we sow. I want to go to uh, one more scripture, and then I'm going to give you some practical, some practical how to speak, how to speak words of life, how to make that choice 
to choose life and leave death in the grave. Would you please look at Luke chapter 6 with me? Luke 6, verse 43 through 45. Luke 6, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So as Fran was talking about faith being activated by our words, faith is that, that knowing in your heart, that knowing that no matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what you feel, God's word is truth. And God's plan for us is good. And God is good. Faith is knowing that, knowing it, knowing it. As we speak it, Fran said that faith is voice activated. As we speak God's promises, as we speak God's goodness and his love, as we speak it, it becomes real to us. That's faith. And then it comes out of us naturally because out of our heart, our mouth speaks. So as we speak something consistently, as we speak something consistently, it becomes part of our heart. For those of you who are, have ever been a teacher, even if it's your own kids, if you've helped your kids with their homework and you've taught it to them, you know it really well, right? Because you've spoken it. You've got it inside of you, and you could teach it very easily because you know it really, really well because you've spoken it. Well, that's what happens as we speak God's word. It just becomes part of our heart, and we know it. And then out of our heart, our mouth speaks. Okay, I'm going to go back to that, that first statement I made about Jesus conquering the enemy, disarmed him, defeated him, made a public spectacle of him on the cross. Jesus destroyed death. Jesus destroyed um, uh, that, that uh, spiritual death, the separation of us from him and made it so that we have that precious gift of being united with him, right? He destroyed all that junk, and it's in the grave. What I want to talk about now is that choice that we make and how we make the choice to either resurrect that from the dead. That's not what God wants. He wants us to choose life. So what can we do to choose life versus resurrect that junk from the dead. Okay, I'm going to give you three or four different things right now. Here's the first one. Are you claiming the problem? Are you claiming the disease? Are you taking it? Are you receiving it? Or are you claiming God's promise? Now, what do I mean by that? If you say... If you, one little pronoun is enough to receive it. If you say, 
I'm going to say this now, and I never speak this, but I want you to understand what I'm saying. If I say, my cancer, I've taken it, I've received it. But if I say, the cancer, it's not mine. It's this thing that I'm not receiving. If I say, I'm catching a cold, (laughs) I'm catching it, it's mine. If I say, I'm fighting a cold, I'm not receiving it. I'm choosing not to receive it. If I say, mine, if I call it mine, it is mine, I'm receiving it. So that's my first question. Are you receiving it? Now, that's just a simple change in the way that you speak. But that simple change in the way that you speak can make a difference in the choice of resurrecting that junk from the grave or choosing life, the abundance of life that God has planned for us. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a fact. That diagnosis is a fact. What I'm saying is we're choosing not to receive it. We're choosing not to accept it. We're rejecting. We're saying, oh, no, God has something better for me. Jesus paid for my healing. That's what I'm receiving. And instead of receiving that, I'm receiving his promises. So instead of receiving the disease I'm saving, I'm receiving the life. Jesus, you paid the price for my healing. That's what I'm receiving. I'm not receiving that diagnosis. I'm receiving your promise. So that's my first question. Are you receiving it? Okay, here's my second. Are you magnifying the problem? Or are you magnifying God's promises? Now think of the word magnify. Think of what a magnifying glass does. It makes it big, right? What are you speaking about? If you're speaking about the issues of the problem a lot, if you're speaking about it, it's part of what you're living. You know, you're going to the doctor. You're have, you could be having symptoms. You could be, um, you know, having worried thoughts. And if you're speaking about those things a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, it's magnified. And it takes over everything. It takes over your thinking. It takes over everything. You're magnifying it. If you're speaking about it all the time, you're choosing that. You're choosing that negative thing. You're choosing, and you're not doing it intentionally. Nobody would want it. But you're choosing that thief side the stuff that steals and kills and destroys, as you speak about it all the time, you're unknowingly making the choice to receive that. However, if you are speaking of God's promises, if you are speaking scriptures like Fran was having us speak tonight, if you were saying, I live mountain free, (laughs) if you say, I am the healed of the Lord, if you say, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit and no disease can live in this body, if you speak his promises, that's what's being magnified. That's what you're choosing. You're choosing life. You're choosing God's kind of life, that abundance of life that he paid such a huge price for. But it's our choice. We have a choice. God gave us a free will. We have a choice what we speak. We can speak faith activated words. We can activate our faith with words, or we can activate the death with our words. Words 
kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. My third question. Are you feeding the problem or are you feeding God's promise? Now, let me just let me tell you what I'm, I mean by that. Are you feeding the problem? Are you listening to lots of advice from a lot of people and seeking advice from a lot of people and asking advice from a lot of people? Are you going to the Internet and reading books and trying to fill up on knowledge about the disease? Let me tell you what happened to me. Um, I don't think I've ever told this part of my testimony here. When I was diagnosed with cancer 10 years ago, um, I was still working, so I was, you know, working full-time. I took a lot of time off for appointments, but when I didn't have doctor's appointments, I was at work. And this particular day, I woke up in the morning, and I couldn't go to work. Now, you guys know me pretty well, and you know that I'm not the type of person to, to sit and cry and feel sorry for myself. And I wasn't then. But that day, the enemy took hold of me. And I got up that morning, and I couldn't get up and go to work. And I called in sick, and I just couldn't do it. And I sat there, and I was so completely oppressed by the enemy. I could barely breathe. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what should I do? What, what do I need to do? And I thought to myself, this is me thinking, this is actually the enemy prompting me. I thought, I need to do some research on this disease. You know, I need to get knowledge. So I went on the Internet, and I started to look up stuff on melanoma. And the enemy, oh, my God, it was the worst, absolutely the worst day that I had when I was in the battle for my life. I got online, and I started reading and researching, and I, it just, it was worse than cancer. It was something that just started just consuming me with fear and with not just in my head and in my heart, but also in my body. And then the enemy was having a heyday with me. The enemy um, uh, convinced me I needed to go to the bookstore and get a book on cancer on melanoma. So I went to Barnes and Nobles, went to their cancer section and started looking at all the books and I bought this big fat book on cancer, on melanoma. And I brought it home and I kind of opened it a little bit and it just made me want to puke, literally. I mean, it just made me sick. And I had the book, I had the research. Later that afternoon, I was so consumed with fear. I called the oncologist. And I had an appointment for later in the week. It was a new oncologist I was going to go see. And I called them. This sounds so weird to me when I think back about that day. I called them and I asked if I could make my appointment sooner because I didn't think I was going to live until the end of the week. That's what the enemy does. So here I was feeding the problem. And as I was feeding the problem, I was giving it life. I was choosing the problem. I was receiving it, hook, line, and sinker. 
So are you feeding the problem? Or are you guarding your heart and your mind? Please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. This is God's plan. That other crap, (laughs) you don't hear me say that often, that other stuff was the enemy, it was the enemy, it was the enemy. Now let's look at God's plan, because boy, is it better. I wanted to contrast for you the difference. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk put far from you. God says, don't talk about that stuff. Don't look at all of that. This is where you feed yourself. Go back to verse 20. My son, my daughter, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. And that word in that scripture, healing and health, is medicine. The Greek word, if you look at the translation of the Greek word, health to their flesh, it's medicine. Let me read it with that word in there. For God's word is life for those who find them, and it is medicine to their flesh. It is medicine to your body. As we take God's promises, instead of the research, instead of the internet, Instead of the advice, if you take God's word, God's promises, and feed on this, this is your resource. As you do this, it's life, it's medicine. My friend Jenny, the day that I was saved, gave me a little prayer book with healing scriptures in it. And she said, this is your medicine. And I did take my medicine. I did. I did take God's medicine consistently. I learned. I only did that internet thing once. I only looked at that book once. And you know what? It went in the trash. I wouldn't even give it away. I threw it away. I don't own that book anymore. It's gone. I took God's word and I started feeding, 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 feeding on it. And you know what? He gave me peace. It guarded my heart. It guarded my mind. And that, that oppression left. And it left quick. It didn't stick around because God's word, I was choosing life. Instead of choosing death, I was choosing life. But so many people don't know that. That's why I'm telling you. So that was my third point, and here's my fourth. Are you seeking sympathy and feeding into it by talking about the problem? Are you seeking sympathy, or are you seeking compassion? And I want to differentiate between sympathy and compassion. Sympathy is compassion's counterfeit. Sympathy is compassion's counterfeit. Sympathy acknowledges the existence of the problem, but it doesn't offer answers or solutions Sympathy 
feeds into the problem that it exists, but it doesn't offer solutions. It offers people help with coping skills rather than deliverance. I know of ministries that are ministries of sympathy. They're ministries of support for dying or support for the sickness or support of the problem, support of other people that have the same problem. It doesn't do you any good. Jesus didn't do that. Did Jesus, this is, I got this from the Bill Johnson book. Did Jesus train seeing eye dogs for the blind? Or did he heal the blind? Yes. Did Jesus build crutches for the lame? Or did he heal them? He healed them. Compassion led Jesus to breakthrough every single time. He was moved with compassion, and when he was moved with compassion, the end result was a miracle. Compassion has its focus and anchor in the nature of God and in his purposes for humanity. Sympathy is coping. Compassion has its anchor in the nature of God. Compassion is biblical. Compassion is practical. And compassion is bold. Tonight, as I was getting ready to share this, I thought, oh boy, I don't know about this on Valentine's Day. This might be a, a tough love kind of message. And when I was preparing it, God says, no, this is compassion. Jesus had the heart of compassion. Jesus was practical, biblical, and bold. He didn't give people a sympathy. He gave people the answer, the breakthrough. And that's what I want to share with you. How to choose life and not death. How to speak words of life how to speak words of blessing, not words of cursing, not words of death. Compassion is what we give in our ministry. Kent and I, that we're called to, we give people practical how-to. But it's from the Word of God. We give them the biblical training on healing, the biblical direction that God gives us, that Jesus gives us. And we do it with boldness. This is the way that God says This is it. It's the answer. The other day I was in class. I didn't know that there were two new people there that had cancer. And God had been directing me to do something, and I forgot it. (laughs) I forgot it. I had planned on doing this, and I forgot it. And now I know why the Holy Spirit was prompting me. There were two people with cancer last week in in our meeting. And what he had prompted me to do was to point out all of the people at our meeting that had come to the knowledge of the Word of God, had received it, had chosen life, and who had received their healing. A couple of them are here tonight. One of them is Jerry. Raise your hand, Jerry. He goes to our Wednesday night meeting. Man who received the truth and received his healing. Another one is Yvonne. Raise your hand, Yvonne. Another one is Gary. Raise your hand, Gary. Any others that come to our Wednesday night meeting here that I'm missing? Okay. But last Wednesday, there were those three, but there were at least four or five more. Now, the Holy Spirit prompted me to do that, and I forgot. 
But those two people that were there for the first time needed to see that. To see that receiving God's word and applying God's word and choosing life results in life. Tomorrow night, I'm not going to (laughs) forget. Remind me, honey. Help me. Okay. (laughs) So, are you seeking sympathy? Sympathy is no good. Sympathy will not help you. Sympathy is destructive. It's not constructive. Compassion. Practical, biblical, and bold. That's what's going to help. Okay. Now, I want to share with you a couple of warning signs that I have um, seen as we've ministered to people. Warning signs that um, unknowingly, I believe people are choosing the curse instead of the blessing. This is one of them. Sometimes when people come to us, they, um, and it, it, it's, again, it's a lack of knowledge. They talk about the problem a lot in minute detail. And I, I do my best to um, shorten that discussion because I don't need to hear that, and they don't need to speak it. We can pray very powerfully and very specifically without lots and lots of details. So that's one thing we see, and then we pray. So I kind of stop them as, if, as best I can and as respectfully as I can, and then pray and powerfully speak God's word over them and command whatever that issue is to leave their body because that's what Jesus did, right? And then we say amen. And then sometimes those people, as soon as we say amen, start speaking the problem again. That's a warning sign. That's a warning sign that, that they're, they're, like, they're speaking those words. You know, we have commanded that thing to leave, and then they're just giving it life again. They're resurrecting it from the dead. Okay, so those words, the words that they choose, all of the details aren't necessary. Yes, it is important to tell the person you're praying for so that we can pray specifically. But there's a, a line there a careful line, not to, not to go into too much detail. It's not necessary. And you're feeding the problem as you speak about all those details. Once we've said amen, say, thank you, Jesus. I receive it. You don't need to keep talking about it. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it. Here's another warning sign. Sometimes I hear lots of um, problems that are not even to do with the disease, but to do with people. Um, maybe... Um, something to do with the medical staff or the doctors or what's happening in the process of treatment with the people, you know, where there's issues with that. It might be something to do with your family, how your family's treating you or not treating you. It might have to do with if you're getting help, you think you, you deserve help and you're not getting the help that you need. So you might be talking about that a lot. It might be about... Um, uh, anything to do. It might be with finances, with, you know, because of the insurance or, or the people that you have to deal with, the red tape that you're trying to go through in the process of fighting this disease. If you're talking and, you're, and your focus is on all of that kind of stuff, there is, that's another bait of the enemy. It's offense. It's stress and strife 
and it's another open door for the enemy. That's something else we see. That's probably another whole message, but I wanted to put that out there as another warning sign. But here's the third one. Are you allowing your time, your conversations, your life to be consumed with a problem? Or is your time, your conversations, and your life being consumed with God and his promises? Big difference. I have a dear friend that I work with who came to me today. She's taking a medical leave, and she was really upset. And I told her, I says, no, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because you'll have time to seek and search your heart and to seek God and to, and to have time and not have all the stress of work on top of everything else you're going through. That's a good thing. I want to tell you two stories. And I've gotten permission from both of these people to tell the stories. I'm going to tell one story on both sides. I'm going to tell a story, and these are true accounts, true, true people. I'm going to tell about a person that I know in the first story, the, the first setting that I said, where they were consumed with the problem. Their time, their conversations, their thinking, everything was consumed with the problem and the result. I'm going to tell you about the result. And then I'm going to tell you the happy story. Okay, so first let me tell you, and the reason I chose this person is because it's Kent's dad, and I can share this without um, hurting anybody's feelings. Um, my father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer a year ago, May, two years ago this May. Um, and he uh, lived from May until September, and then he passed away. And my father-in-law was an amazing man. And just a beautiful, beautiful family we both have both my parents and Kent's parents, amazing parents, amazing family, very loving, very kind. My father-in-law had a couple of healings in his life, major healings. Um, He had, the same year that I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, he had a stroke, a very serious stroke, and he lost all of his speech. He was, within a very short time, he regained his speech. Um, He was, lived another how many years? Ten years almost? Eight, nine years? Um, he also had some major healings of his heart. He had a heart attack when he was 44. He didn't have a heart attack. He had six bypasses when he was 44, right? And the doctor told him that he would have maybe 10 years before he'd need another open-heart surgery. He lived until he was 77, and his heart was fine. So he had a lot of really major healings. He saw me healed. And when he saw me healed, he was my biggest cheerleader, In fact, he would tell me, he'd say, you better be telling everybody about your healing, Cindy. You better be giving God the credit. I mean, he was my biggest cheerleader. So he was an amazing man. He knew Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. When he was diagnosed with cancer that May, the first words out of his mouth were, well, I'm ready to go to heaven. And potentially he was. He knew Jesus, right? I'm ready too, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go. I mean, if I died this minute, I'd be with Jesus in heaven. I know it. I am confident of it. But I got a lot to do while I'm here. That's what Paul said in his Gospels. He said, 
what should I choose? Should I choose this or that? And he says, you know what? I need to be here, Father God, because I've got a lot of work to do for you. Well, I feel the same way. But my father-in-law, that was his first statement. And then I'm going to make a long story short. Um, He loved when Kent and I prayed for him. And he felt the power of God, literally. He felt the presence and the power of God when we would stand in agreement with him and pray for him. Um, He believed that God heals. He saw God heal me. He saw God heal him. He believed God heals. But in between the prayers and the conversations that he had, the little conversations he had about the fact that God heals, he spent all of his time with the problem. He talked about the, oh, believe me, he talked about the problem. He talked about the doctor's visits. He talked about what was going on in his body. He talked about the treatments. He talked about it a lot. All the time he talked about it. When he wasn't talking about it, he wasn't feeding himself. He, was, he would watch TV a lot. He would sleep a lot. He watched TV, he slept, and he talked about the problem. And then once in a while, he would talk about Jesus, the healer. Kent and I have a healing class on Wednesday night, and they live in our subdivision. And we'd say, come on, Dad, come on, Mom, go with us. Oh, no, I'm too tired to go. He wasn't sick. <laughs> he had no side effects of the, pro- of the uh, treatment he was getting, none. He was tired, but he had no, he wasn't sick at all. He could have went, but he didn't want to. We took, we had all of our teachings on CD. We have our healing book. We took them to him. We said, Dad, you and Mom can do this together every day. They never did. They made the choice. My dad made the choice. He spoke words of death. He didn't seek to fill himself with God's word. We believe that he chose, and there's nothing wrong with this. He lived a a good life. He lived a pretty full lifespan, not as full as God wanted. He was 77, 76 when he passed away, and he sure could have been here still. But I think he chose to go to be with Jesus. There's a big testimony behind that, too, and I'll just give you this much of it. He never was in the hospital one day. He was in no pain. Even when he had hospice come to the house, the hospice nurses said they were asking us about pain medicine, and we said, he doesn't have any. (laughs) And they said, no pain medicine? And they thought probably that he was a trooper or didn't, you know, being really tough. Well, he doesn't have any pain. (laughs) He never had any pain, and he was never in the hospital once. So there's a lot of really, you know, precious parts to that testimony. But we believe that he just chose death. Today, my message is, it's your choice. Now I want to tell you the other story, and this is about my precious friend, Yvonne. This is the opposite. This woman came to this meeting one year ago the 15th of February. One year ago, she had a diagnosis of stage 3 cancer. This woman had never heard any of the truth, didn't know any of it. When she came, did Nicole bring you? Right? Nicole. Right there. Sent her. Okay. Nicole knew the truth. Nicole brought her friend, or sent her friend. 
She came and started hearing it. She chose to receive it. She chose to listen. She probably wasn't sure at the beginning, but she chose to listen. She started coming to my meeting. At first, she didn't talk to me. (laughs) Two or three times she came, and I saw her face, but she never talked to me. Then God started just, all that stuff was going in her heart, was going in her heart, was going in her heart. She started receiving it, receiving it, receiving it. She really received it. This girl, I'm not going to go into detail because of time, but everything about her journey was life. Everything about her journey was choosing life, and that's what she received. She chose to speak words of life. She received it. She chose to be fed God's word instead of all the other junk that she could have been fed. And she received life. She chose to spend her time receiving God's truth. Sometimes she spent as much as six to eight hours a day, not just in prayer, but in just putting on headphones and letting God's word go into her ears. She had an iPod, and she would put good teaching in the iPod and listen to it. So even when she wasn't physically praying or talking to God, it was going into her ears. So the enemy couldn't get in. (laughs) She had all that stuff going in, and she received life. Not just a little bit of life, but Jesus' kind of life. Life to the abundance, to the overflow. She knows the love of God. She knows the life of God. She was in the same place a lot of you are one year ago today. She had a stage 3 cancer diagnosis. She had all the fear. She had all the yuck. She had no hope. She didn't know what she was going to do. She chose life. God put it before us. Death, life, blessings, curses. Choose life. This is the last scripture for tonight. Romans 12, 21. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Would you say that sickness is evil? Would you say depression is evil? Anxiety? Arthritis? Relationship issues? Uh, Foreclosure on your house? All the evil, all of the lack, all of the stuff of the enemy is evil. God says to overcome evil with good. Now, here's some good news. Good is greater than evil. Good is greater than evil. Good and evil can be compared to light and darkness. Darkness is only the absence of light. Evil is the absence of good. We would never turn down the light by turning up the darkness. But we can dispel the darkness by turning up the light. We can dispel the darkness by turning up the light. As we speak words of life, that's what we're doing. As we speak God's promises, we're dispelling the darkness. We're turning on the light. Goodness overcomes evil. As we speak those words, that's what we're doing. We are overcoming the evil. We have a choice. We can speak words of evil. We can speak words of light. Let's overcome. Let's overcome the evil with good. So here's some, the, some review. 
Number one, focus on the goodness of God. Focus on the goodness of God and not the junk. Number two, speak the blessing, the goodness. Speak what God's promises are for us. Number three, seek compassion and not sympathy. Compassion's awesome. Sympathy isn't. Number four, feed yourself spiritual health food, not the enemy's junk. And overall, choose life. Choose life. Would you please repeat this after me? Jesus laid death in his grave. I will not choose to resurrect it by speaking it. I will leave the dead in the grave. I have been resurrected to new life. I choose the fullness of life. I choose to receive the fruit of that fullness by speaking it. I choose life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.